It's time to take your body care routine to the next level. Introducing Osea's bestseller body care set, the perfect companion for your summer travels. This four-piece kit transforms dry skin to silky, soft, and glowing. It features travel sizes of Osea's best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil and Body Butter, clinically proven to improve skin elasticity, along with their anti-aging body balm and salts-of-the-earth body scrub. And to top it off, it's packed in a vegan leather bag, making it a must-have for all your summer adventures. Everything Osea makes is clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Treat yourself to glowing, healthy skin this summer with clean vegan skincare and body care from Osea. Right now, you can get the best seller's body care set valued at $78 for 33% off. Use code SUMMER to save an additional 10%. That's an additional 10% off at OCEAMalibu.com code SUMMER. It wouldn't be Penn State football if we didn't have five or six things going on at the same time. I'm Thomas Frank Carr. Uh, with us today, Sean Fitz, publisher for On3, and Greg Pickle. It's been a while since we had Greg on the show. Uh, Greg subbing in for Nate today, who is having uh, childcare issues. Nate normally here on the BWI Live Tuesday show. So, Greg, uh, also at Bull Media Day, we're going to get his thoughts on what happened uh, earlier in the week. But, Greg, I, I get in trouble for not talking enough about wrestling. So, just off the top, what's going on with the Nittany Lions? Uh, I, I saw some news this weekend, uh, but what? just off the top, what's going on with Penn State Wrestling? Yeah, good to be back with you guys. They're going to wear pink and black singlets for the Rec Hall, or I'm sorry, the Bryce Jordan Center match uh, against Rutgers uh, in February. So that's the big news from Monday that has people talking. But no, I mean, Kale Sanderson said it best at the end of November. Once they got through the Hofstra match, uh, the guys pretty much, some of them went to the Senior Nationals, where Penn State had a few more guys qualify for uh, the U.S. Olympic team trials, which are next spring in State College. But other than that, it's break time for these guys. And as we all know, it's the same with football, same with basketball. Basketball wrestling's no different. Even though they have a competition break, there's no break for these guys. They're training. They're obviously watching their weight, depending on which uh, which way they have to go up or down for uh, getting ready for January and the 2024 portion of the schedule. So, yeah, we're in a little bit of a quiet period right now, T. Frank. But uh, so far, so good for the Lions. And we'll see where things go once they get rolling again here in a few weeks. Fitz, uh, there's Bowl Media Day to talk about today, previewing what's coming up. National Signing Day is tomorrow. Penn State narrowing in on their defensive coordinator. But one thing that you wrote about earlier this week, uh, I, I believe yesterday, was uh, young guys that you think, or, or players that I should say, that should have an increased role in the bowl game. So just uh, you can people can check it out at bluewhiteillustrated.com. What were your thoughts about that article and, and kind of why, why you brought that up? Uh, you're muted, by the way. Thought you were going to ask me about Riley Thompson getting two more years and Alex Paquetta heading out and how that <laughs> Hunter Gate would go. I got to got to walk on uh, Chase Meyer committed from Tulsa, so all the good things are happening on special teams. But we'll start in the regular game. That's fine. Everybody just 
dismisses us anyway. Um, but uh, no, I mean, it's it's going to be an interesting game because you're using it as a cap of the season. You're also using it as a springboard to 2014 or 2024. Sorry. Um, and it, it, it's going to be a situation where you're kind of sharing some things with some guys. You, you're you're going to have some guys that are going to miss the game. Uh, I know that the corners have not publicly done anything, but Penn State's going to be shorthanded at corner um, for the uh, for the Peach Bowl. And I tell you what, Ole Miss is not a team that you want to be shorthanded at corner against because they've got some some pretty decent receivers. So be interesting to see how that goes. Uh, I, I think uh, one of those guys that I picked out, Cam Miller, um, thought he played well this year, um, but it's it's a transitional role. It goes from being a nice number three, number four to being a full-time starter. Yep. And we had him being a full-time starter in 2024, but the situation that he's going to step into at Ole Miss is, is kind of throwing him into the fire. He played about half the snaps that uh, Kalen King and Johnny Dixon did uh, throughout the whole season. And I think that's going to change against Ole Miss. So a lot of pressure on those corners, a lot of pressure on the young corners, the old corner, Daquan Hardy. Um, and then some youngsters like Zion Tracy and, and Elliot Washington, because that's uh, you're going to get a taste of what that's going to look like next year for better or for worse. Yeah. Well, what did you think about Cam Miller this year, and, and how do you think he'll fare in the bowl game? Because you're right, uh, three-headed monster at receiver uh, for Ole Miss. Just how do you think Penn State can – Cam Miller feels like a guy that they want to step in and replace kind of a smooth transition there. Do you think he's going to be able to do that here uh, in the bowl game? It's going to be tough, and uh, I think we're going to see more of Hardy on the outside. Like, that's going to be a situation where they want to get him on the field as much as possible. Uh, Ole Miss is going to spread him out, try and do a lot of things, and they also can run the ball uh, with Kunshad Junkins. So it's a dangerous yeah. offense, and it's even more dangerous. You take Chop Robinson out of the equation. We, you know, we saw a little bit of Penn State playing without Chop this year, and you know they certainly could use what what I would call the best player on their defense whenever they can, and he's not going to be out there. So uh, it's just uh, it's going to be one of those situations. I don't think it's going to be a an outback bowl against Arkansas defense situation, but uh, Penn State shorthanded for sure, and they're going to have to cope with that. Especially without, especially without Manny Diaz, there's the the biggest problem, the, the biggest name not uh, not participating in that bowl game. For sure, uh, Beach Wine guy, gra- glad to see Greg here. Uh, Greg, always uh, happy to have you here. Um, and a great reminder here from Julius Caesar: if you're enjoying the BWI live experience, which we're going to bring to you today, we're going to have signing day coverage coming up tomorrow as well. We'll have a feature show. Just a quick breakdown of the schedule. 7 p.m. is going to be when we have our uh, signing day show tomorrow to recap everything uh, going on with the Nittany Lions in the class of 2024. And then our regular Wednesday show with KSN is going to be on Thursday. Still recapping the show, uh, uh, recapping uh, the class. So we got a lot of recruiting content coming up up over the next couple of days but a great opportunity to tell you about what's going on and if you're enjoying all that content you want to talk about the Nittany Lions of course subscribe here to the Blue White Illustrated YouTube channel and give us a, a follow a like here on the video as well and we've got a great deal signing day special it's coming up Blue White Illustrated you only have a couple more days of this you get a full year of access for half off $54.99 unlimited access and scoop all the things you need to know about the recruiting class of 2024. Uh, not as much drama, but you still need to get the inside access about what these guys are like, what they bring to the table. All that stuff from Sean Fitz and from Ryan Snyder. The stories that got them to Happy Valley. So subscribe right now to bluewhiteillustrated.com. And uh, if you are a football coach, I got a I got some news for you. It's the off season. You knew that already. But what you need to know is that you need to have a plan in place for your training regimen. Everyone knows that you need to be um, in the weight room, but what are you doing to transition those skills on to the football field? Well, I'm gonna tell you right now, MMA FX. 
Uh, if you have a center football team, you want to give them an edge on the football field. This is a great time to talk about it with recruiting being in the news this week. We already had uh, uh, Liam Andrews' dad on the show last week saying he got this for uh, Liam, one of Penn State's top defensive linemen coming into Penn State, uh, working with Bruce Lombard. He is an MMA expert and trainer here in State College. He's developed an exclusive, the only comprehensive hand-fighting video program set for football players available, featuring uh, Anthony Zettel, former Penn State off uh, defensive lineman, former NFL player, all Big Ten defensive lineman, over two hours of hand-fighting and speed techniques. You might be saying, T. Frank, hey, listen, I am not a, a hand-fighting coach. Bruce isn't going to be there. How am I going to teach them? Don't worry. He thought of that professional videography, including different technique angles, slow motion, visual detail, and a lot of explaining from him. So he's going to coach you on how to coach your players. Hand fighting is huge in football. Being able to translate those skills to the field is a massive edge. And he, Bruce has worked with everybody. He's worked with the New York Giants, the Houston Texans, Alabama. Everyone will always wants to say, yeah, but Alabama, right? Everyone wants to say, well, why don't you do what Alabama does? Well, you can do what Alabama does here with uh, Bruce Lombard. So check it out. And for the holidays, this is the part I should always bring up first, and I always bring it up at the end because I'm one of those guys that's uh, for the slow turn. Subscribe and you get 15% off at LombardMMA.com backslash shop. That's promo code 15BWI to get 15% off at LombardMMA.com backslash shop. Appreciate Bruce for being a part of the show. Glad to have him here on the BWI live show. So let's get into uh, what the big news is this week. And Greg, I want to come to you about this as we're talking about the Penn State defensive coordinator search. News broke over the weekend. Some reporting um, out there about the latest on who's going to be the next defensive coordinator. Greg, can you take us through the timeline of uh, this particular story? Yeah. So, I mean, all signs today point to Tom Allen getting approved by Penn State's Committee on Compensation around 1 o'clock and becoming Penn State's next defensive coordinator. Uh, so we'll see how that all plays out later today. But, you know, uh, if you go back to the hot board that Sean put out back when Manny Diaz left, uh, Tom Allen was a name that made sense, one of many. Uh, Sean, I'll be curious to hear your take on this. But I, obviously, you know, when James Franklin joked on uh, Friday of last week that he wished that this, wishes that this thing got done yesterday, uh, he wasn't just talking about the fact that he was on the road recruiting, recruiting his own roster, and looking for a second coordinator of the offseason. But, you know, there's a lot of stuff you have to get rolling on once that guy gets into town. And, oh, by the way, you're getting ready to leave for a bowl game. So there's no question they'll be happy to get this wrapped up. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess so. But then you look at the offensive coordinator search and he was trying to win two games at the end of the season. So it's like pick right. your poison here. Like he can do that on the road. He can stop by and, and see people. A lot of this stuff is done with Zoom anyway these days. Mm -hmm. I think we've figured out that, you know, taking the private jet to wherever Tom Allen is at this point is probably a bit of a waste of fuel. Like when you can talk to that guy and yeah. you still want to feel him out. You still want to know this guy a little bit, but they've had big 10 coaches meetings. He's been around him. So this is a, this is a hire or an expected hire that, that, that really fits a lot of what he sort of outlined last week. Mm -hmm. So uh, not a, not a terribly surprising name. Uh, I know Nate's going to hate that I say that, but like he was uh, uh, like, he fits the bill of yeah. what James Franklin was most successful with last time around and finding a head coach that no longer had a job with a defensive reputation that's got uh, you know, that, that has been successful at stops along the way, even if his head coaching tenure did not end perfectly, you know, or right. well in this case. So I I've always admired Tom Allen as a coach. I, I think he, he is done when he's got the, um, or when he's had the, uh, 
talent at his disposal. Like, and that's mm-hmm. not always an easy thing to do at Indiana. He has developed some guys and made some some pretty good players out of it. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm interested to see what he could do with this level of athlete without the pressure of running everything. Because I think that's yeah. an underrated that's an underrated aspect of this. When Manny did not have to run the entire program, he's good, man. He was yeah. really good, and uh, I, you know, and a defensive Franklin, line. I guess. Yeah, yeah, right. And James yeah. Franklin hopes that uh, he can replicate that success. It's it's very interesting to me. Like it, it was a, it was a role that I compared to when Moorhead left, and they wanted to keep the framework of the offense intact, but bring in a different guy. See how that or see how that goes. And it just ha- so happened that Ricky Ronnie was that that guy. Poor Ricky, by the way. I don't even want to get Greg. I'm not going to get. The yeah, poor me. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but but anyway, um, similar framework. Four two five ish four three with the Sam, yeah. you know, and and attacking, and that's really the, the the parameters of what James Franklin was looking for. And I think he, I'm not gonna say it's seamless, but I think he found as close to that as he's gonna find on this open market. Yeah, absolutely, I, I I would agree with that. The the actually the the part about Tom Allen's defense, um, somebody asked me this a couple of weeks ago, is he a fit? And I initially said no because some of the stuff he does on the back end is pretty aggressive. You know. Manny Diaz, aggression, a couple of different ways of getting to the same place of being aggressive with your defense. And James Franklin likes to keep a lid on explosive plays. Well, some of the stuff that Tom Allen does opens you up to some big plays. And that was, to me, the biggest question about how that would translate to Penn State. But obviously, if James Franklin has uh, reportedly we're we're heading that way, that's something that that he's fine with. Yeah, and and I think the question there is how much of that is out of necessity at Indiana versus what you have here. I mean, you can get home with, you know, you maybe need an extra guy to to put pressure on in Indiana, whereas Penn State, you know, four or five guys have been pretty successful with that. So um, it's I'm just very intrigued to see how this personnel goes. Somebody just made a a point in the chat that he knows Ohio State, Michigan. He's played Ohio State, Michigan the same amount of times as Penn State has over the last however many years. And, uh, you know, so he's got uh, he's got the brain trust in there as well. So interested to see how this works. Um, it, It nothing is guaranteed here. But I mean. I hate to say this, but it seems safer than the leap that James made to hire Manny. Like, yeah, because I, I know there's a lot of hindsight involved in this thing with Manny being fantastic. But like when you brought in Manny, you weren't sure what to expect. And those guys took to it pretty close or pretty quickly. And I'm curious how this works out in the spring. Yeah, he laid the groundwork of taking from Brent. I, I called it the, the Pry Diaz uh, spectrum of aggressiveness, where Pry maybe was on one side of not necessarily aggressive playing kind of standard football and then Manny Diaz all the way on the other side Tom Allen fits somewhere in the middle but Beach Wine Guy says this in the chat and I'm interested because you just echoed some of this fits feels like a comfortable hire not flashy or splash like Diaz should be able to be successful maintaining a strong defense is it just because Tom Allen is in the Big Ten for the last eight years that he doesn't feel like a splashy sexy hire Manny Diaz was a fired head coach like I know that he had a name in 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 college football but Tom Allen has been a head coach for eight years in in one of the most competitive divisions in football. So is it is it just the unfamiliarity of coming from a different conference, or is it truly that Tom Allen is is a more safe hire than Manny Diaz? Like you know, in that sense, um, that's tough because you have this little uh, like chart there where you're looking at coaches and the peak would be as a head coach. So you get fired as a head coach, you're seemingly headed down the mountain on the other side. So I think right. that's 
really where you go with that. And you look at some of the names that were associated with the job. Jeff Collins is, is one of those guys that popped up. Like there's not too many guys that are like right at the precipice of being there. And, and Manny was the same way. Like Manny, before he got the Miami job, well, before he got the Temple job and then got the Miami job was, right. you know, a guy that was elevating for a reason. And, uh, you know, you, you're going to have to recapture some of that stuff to get where Tom was when he, um, you know, almost uh, hit the, the the peak there of of being a head coach. I'm not saying that's the peak of his his career, but like that's what he's going to be remembered as, former Indiana head coach. So sure. we'll see what happens. There's some rehab uh, along the way here in terms of like what he has to do to sort of recapture some of the magic that he's had at times. And boy, Indiana is really tough, man. Like, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. And I've been talking to to my guy Zach Osterman at the Indy Star all week about this. He's just like, hey you're not going to be able to sustain success at Indiana. We'll see how Signetti does. Um, But it's uh, it's a really tough situation to recruit that area away from the Notre Dames and away from the big 10 schools that are out there as well. Um, Try and hit on some guys in Florida. Tom Allen's got some connections down South. So it would be a situation where you're trying to do some of the same things that you do at Penn State, trying to figure out the guys in Florida that are not going to Florida, Florida State, Miami, but can still like be dudes, like be really, really good players. Find the guys in Alabama that are not going to go to Alabama or Auburn, but, you know, Dakari Nelson, you know, can can he be a player here? Like that, that yeah. is a situation that you're trying to figure out how you can make the most of those relationships down South. And I'm not saying anything's going to change with the way that they've done things, but uh, it'd be interesting to see a a new face in that room and and what that does for some. I'm sorry, I got distracted. And normally I don't, I don't try to single out people in this way, but I hope this is, this is fun for everybody. Jeff has had some all time bad takes here in the chat. Like I, I, I'm now on four totally bad takes that he's had in the chat. I just want to say like, uh, I think he means Corum walked right into the end zone with no one around him. Manny was no save. You guys made him out to be. I, I, I just Manny Diaz was a good defensive coordinator. He was a very, very good defensive coordinator. Everyone agrees on that. So I just like the internet needs to take a step back for a second for us. Uh, Greg, uh, Anthony Poindexter, a lot of fans. I would say some of the other parts of this is not Dex. Now the concern is maybe he's looking for his own defensive coordinator job. Um, I, how do you, how do you fit all of that into this conversation of, um, retaining the current staff and, and developing and putting all of this together? Yeah. I mean, I don't think if you watch the videos from uh, Friday's news conference, I didn't get the sense T Frank and Sean that Anthony Poindexter, it was, you know, he was asked if he wanted to be the next guy and he kind of smiled and said, coach Franklin, and I have had some conversations and they left it at that. And, you know, I mean, that's the way these things work. I thought James Franklin's one of his comments was telling was that basically I'm paraphrasing here, but sometimes guys are ready that the moment is right when the right opportunity comes. And that may not always be the case the next time around, not speaking specifically. Wow. That was tough. Anthony Poindexter, but just this idea that, I mean, look at, let's take the Andy Colton, Ty Howe example, you know, Andy Colt Necky interviewed for Ty House job and he was not the right guy to be Penn State's tight ends coach at that moment. And now a few years later, he's the right guy to be uh, the Penn State offensive coordinator. So I don't have this uh, feeling and I'll see what you think. Show up. I don't have this feeling that, you know, Anthony Poindexter packed up all his stuff as soon as the reports came out over the weekend and stormed out of the, the lash building. So we'll see how it all plays out. But just real quick on the, the Tom Allen perception front, I think. Part of it is that Penn State was uh, six and one against him during his time at Indiana. I think some folks are probably unfairly looking at that and saying, well, you know, we're taking the guy that couldn't, you know, that could not beat Penn State, could sometimes not stop Penn State and making him the defensive coordinator. I think if he was at 
I don't know, a school that Penn State played maybe once in the West. Uh, you know, Joe Rossi's name was bounced around. Let's use him as an example for Minnesota. He might be looked at differently, even though he might not be as good of a fit as Tom Allen is. So, yeah, there's some, I think you said, well, Sean, there's some rehab there, some perception things that, that from the outside they're going to have to deal with. But I don't know. If you want to sit here and knock James Franklin for any part of his head coaching uh, tenure and, and the things that he's done, you're more than welcome to do so. But it's really hard to put at the top of the list of things to knock him for picking the right defensive coordinator. Right. I mean, the success is there dating back to Vanderbilt. So if you want to knock this, that, and the other thing, I get it. But I think in this instance, you have to look at the track record and say that he has been very good and has a tremendous hit rate when it comes to not just hiring coaches, because he's been pretty good at that in general, but specifically defensive coordinators. Yeah, Fitz, this is the other thing that I was thinking about, and I want to get your thoughts on this. Um, just James Franklin talking about having the the chops to call the defense, a proven track record of calling a defense, but also just on, on, on a secondary level, Manny Diaz left an impact um, on, on Penn State, where James Franklin is saying, like, we've played really good defense. Manny Diaz took it to another level. So, again, my, my concern always was hire Anthony Poindexter, and everyone goes, hey, just do what Manny did. And, like, that's really hard. Tom Allen coming in after the guy. That was another thing James Franklin brought up on Saturday. Do you think that that's part of the fit here, too, is a guy who is proven, comfortable in his own skin, and probably doesn't have the same... There's less concern over that thing generally than if you are elevating Anthony Poindexter and saying, okay, now it's your turn to steer this ship and you were in this system, so you need to do the same thing. Yeah, I mean, I, I think there's so much tape that he can watch about Penn State's defense to figure out what he has because it's because so much of it is personnel. I mean, you look yeah. at the athletes that they have, especially in that back seven, the ability to do that um, is, is is really, really special. Like you're getting KJ Winston for another year. You're getting uh, Jalen Reed and Zaki Wheatley back there. You know, you it just makes you feel a little bit safer. So going back to what you said earlier about the some of the stuff that left them open at Indiana – Maybe you don't have to do that as much. And and yeah. with that, it's going to make you look like a better coordinator, at least. So I'm very, uh, very encouraged to see that. And he's been a guy that has done with the I don't want to say he's done a lot with a little because Indiana's success is it's scattered. Like, it, you know, right. it can have that really good year in 2020. But what does that mean with COVID? You know, I don't know. I'm not I'm not here to talk about Indiana, but I am here to talk about how hard it is to coach at Indiana and sustain success at Indiana. And he was able to at least keep his job for a long time, which yep. does not happen uh, all that much um, for, for a program these days that has the record that they had. So well, it'd be very interesting to see how he adapts. Like there's, there's a lot to like out there. There's a lot to, uh, to sort of build around those defensive ends that are coming back next year. Even if, even when you lose chop, when you lose Adisa, you still have denied Dennis Sutton, Vanover, Fisher and Lyons. So this is a situation where you're kind of well stocked on the defensive side of the ball. So you're feeling pretty decent about how you can make it work. And it, and it's about the voice in the room too. It's about yeah. understanding what you bring to the table, understanding your limitations, maybe as a play caller, and then sort of feeling that out in the spring, taking those things that you would have done against or as Indiana and adapting them to the personnel that you have. Like I said, this defense can make a lot of people look really good. Yeah, that that's, that's for certain. Um, so that'll be, something interesting to watch again check out bluewhiteillustrated.com for more uh, reporting when when and if things become official we'll we'll have that and we'll also be covering here on the blue white illustrated youtube channel uh so we've got you covered on all of those fronts so let's get into the next phase of your life which is with my perfect franchise, potentially. Like, I don't have the skills to operate my own business. I haven't been uh, building those over 
a decade and a half or more of time, but maybe you have been, maybe you're a corporate executive that has a lot of managerial experience and expertise in a certain field. Andy Ludicky is a franchise consultant that can help you and place you in your next phase of life by managing and owning and buying into your own franchise. You can contact him at 404-973-9901 or Andy at MyPerfectFranchise.net. You can check him out on the Blue White Illustrated message board as well. You can always say hi because he's a Blue White Illustrated and uh, he's, a, he's a message board lifer. He's a recruiting lifer, so he's going to be all jacked up about National Signing Day tomorrow. So if you want to start with a conversation about that, that's a great icebreaker from Andy, who when we have our conversations, he just goes on and on and on about Texas recruiting. So he's probably pretty happy right now with that. Them in the playoff but uh whatever your experience is he has years of expertise placing people in the right business to manage because like i said at the beginning it's not about just having the money to buy into a franchise having the the want to can you succeed that's the major goal here so check out andy at myperfectfranchise.net uh, and he can tell you all about the businesses and the uh, opportunities that are out there in the economy right now that are active and attractive Thanks to Andy for being a sponsor here on the show as well. Let's get into Bull Media Day. Uh, there's a lot to talk about because we had about four straight hours of conversation with Penn State football. And uh, one of the main people we're going to be talking about today is Andy Kotelnicki and his, uh, I don't want to say performance, just his impression that he made on uh, Penn State and Penn State fans right away. Um, so Fitz, what was your first impression of Andy Kotelnicki and his, his press conference? Boy, he came came out like a house of fire, huh? Ultimate yeah. Warrior running down the uh, the ramp there. Uh, he was uh, he was very very energetic, I would say, and very different than Mike Yersich. <laughs> so yeah, I think that's the the way to look at that. He was he was very upfront, telling his backstory, telling all that kind of stuff, and everybody loves that kind of stuff. But uh, yeah, he was just uh, it was a big old ball of joy. So uh, you, if you were on, uh, you know. And we're not going to get into that conversation, but uh, no, it's it, <laughs> which one it, it really, uh, the the message board or the blizzard story. I'm just talking about you, him looking like you to an extent. Oh, so. we have a we have a good flow chart of that, actually, because people have been pointing that out, that apparently I look like Andy Kotelnicki. And, and at the end of the press conference, somebody said, hey, you look like you could be Pat Kraft's brother. So here is the flow chart of T. Frank to Pat Kraft. So if this helps you out at all, this is kind of generally the flow chart of how all of that has gone so far over the last maybe 48 hours on the internet. So hopefully if you're watching, <laughs> this is great for all the podcast people. I just threw up a meme. Uh, so you got to check out the, the YouTube channel to get that particular joke. But based on the fact that none of you responded whatsoever, I was the only one that found that funny. I, I found it funny. I wasn't I, like I wasn't leading you to that. Like I wasn't uh, prepared. <laughs> like I had no idea that thing existed until I brought right material. Now, so. Yeah, You've been I waiting probably. for that one. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. <laughs> um, but no, I mean, you look at what he's trying to do. And as we said, when he was hired, he preached multiple, like multiple threat. And I think he's still going through the tape, still going through to see what he has at his disposal. So that's an easy way to say that, hey, I want to use everybody. That's an easy way to make everybody happy coming back for the spring semester. Um, so that's a, a very good opportunity for him to sort of pitch what he's going to bring out there they're obviously still looking for help at receiver they're obviously looking you know on the offensive line and, and things of that nature but seems pretty comfortable with, with what he has and when you have running backs like that that are you know sort of on that uh on i don't want to say on the upswing but you you know what kind of talent you have in the backfield it makes it easier to work so i'm very curious to see how this uh this takes off in the next couple of months but yeah first impression was he was he was ready to hit you there over the head and uh he certainly did that yeah, Greg, what, what did you think? 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, nobody ever loses the intro press conference, whether they're a coordinator, assistant coach. I shouldn't say nobody, but darn near nobody. <laughs> <is>. <laughs> An Eagles yeah. fan? Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. And Andy Cole's Nicky certainly is not on that list. So, yeah. I mean, I think Sean hit the nail right on the head. He is a guy that you can see, you can envision why players buy in the play for him. It's not yeah. hard to get that from the first time you interact with him because, you know, you read about what uh, some of Candace's players have said about him, what some of his players at Buffalo have said about him. And uh, there's no question he's a beloved guy. People buy into his messaging, buy into his, uh, you know, way of doing things. And that's what Joe uh, James Franklin was looking for, a guy that can lead that side of the room, that side of the ball, uh, without question, without direction. And I think with Andy Koltanicki, he finds that. So like Sean said, we'll see how it plays out. Obviously, at this point, it was a lot of, what you would expect it to be a lot of 50,000 foot view of things in terms of every, you know, we're going to use everyone and we like our personnel, yeah. blah, blah, blah. Uh, we'll get a lot more into the the weeds, I think, as uh, spring practice gets closer. Yeah. Uh, one of the things that I thought uh, initially, and this is just kind of a, maybe too far in the weeds, but you mentioned emotional intelligence, I think is a great way to describe him because people were comparing him to Chris Farley. Uh, in terms of how he performed in that situation. It is hard to be funny in uh, any situation, but especially in a situation like that where you're meeting a bunch of people, new people for the first time, you're trying to make that impression, and to have the emotional intelligence to hit all the right notes and everyone coming out of that being like, wow, that was a guy. Like I think that's one of those things that, that translates, again, like you said, to, to players, but it's the, it's the having the awareness of those things. And then just general, like, the way he presented himself, obviously a very smart individual. And if we're going to go back to the comparison of me and Andy Kotelnicki and Pat Kraft, dynamic, engaging personalities. So I think all of it fits. Um, anyway, moving on. How hard you say it was to be funny? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's why I'm on the bottom of the flow chart. That's the, there's, a, there's a clear reason. Um, the other thing that I think came out of this partic particular situation and, and kind of spinning forward to the bowl game is the players that are opting in, I think you would almost say at this point, um, of playing in the bowl game. Curtis Jacobs, Caden Wallace, Adisa Isaac. We talked to a lot of these guys on uh, on Friday. And first off, I you know surprised that a lot of them were at the press conference leading you to think those things. So, Greg, um, who did you talk to and uh, what were your impressions of of those guys? Yeah, so, I mean, I think when you look at the announcements that have come out so far, Caden Wallace, I believe, was the most recent one over the weekend on Saturday. Uh, he was said that he's going to go to the NFL draft, but play in the game. I mean, I guess, Sean, I, this is not really unexpected at this point. As you've written a few times now, these guys, will, most of them anyway, are probably going to be on some kind of a snap count or however you want to phrase it. Uh, we've seen that before, going back to the Fiesta Bowl, and you know James Franklin cannot stop mentioning Saquon Barkley's role in that kind of a thing uh, since then. So it's going to be very similar to that, but I'm not surprised. You heard Theo Johnson and Adisa Isaac both say, "Hey, look, uh, we have to start what or finish what we started." And as two guys who are part of the leadership group of this team, uh, it just doesn't stun me at all. The only one I can't quite figure out is Olu, who left the door open to. Playing in the bowl game or not playing in the bowl game, going to the draft or not going to the draft, and also coming back to school or not coming back to school. He left the door open to all three. I think we all know how that's going to end eventually, but uh, he had no interest whatsoever in talking about uh, his future on Friday. But just in general, these guys playing the game fits. Um, I think that the perception is most guys opt out. Is this is this a credit to Penn State or is this more common and 
we really are blowing the opt-out thing out of proportion and Penn State is in line with other schools because it seems like these are massive wins for Penn State that Curtis Jacobs and, and Kane Wallace and Olu is potentially playing in the game, leaving the door open for him to do everything, including, I think, also go to grad school and be an astronaut. I don't know. No, he's too tall to be an astronaut. Six three is the oh, limit. I've checked. Yeah. Um, but no, it's it's a situation where the the Outback Bowl kind of ruined it. Like we took it and ran with the fact that Penn State had what eight opt outs in that year. Yeah. And yeah. then we took that as the the norm now. And didn't happen last year uh, at the Rose Bowl. Uh, just one so far uh, with Chop Robinson. You'll probably add a couple more to that. But like it's not it's not half your team like it was for the Outback Bowl and people just got so soured on that. And and it does matter that it's the Peach Bowl. You know, if, if they were playing in the ReliaQuest Bowl or something, I think that's the Outback Bowl mm-hmm. now, like that that would be a difference. Um, and if they're playing in the playoffs, it's a complete difference. But uh, uh, I think that being a New Year's Six Bowl kind of gives you a little bit of uh, a little bit of grace with getting some of those guys like Olu, like Adisa, Theo. You mentioned Caden Wallace. Like it's uh, yeah, Rob's right. I mean, it's a strong culture right now. Um, and I think that there was very much a situation in flux coming out of that Outback Bowl where it was like out with the old in with the new, how does that come through? And, and honestly, it was a situation that benefited Penn state's defense for the coming years. Cause it got some of those guys a little bit of a head start in, in what they were doing. Um, it's going to happen at corner. Um, you're going to have that a defensive end with chop, not in there. And maybe that propels Jordan or Jameel Lyons. Um, maybe that propels, uh, Zariah Fisher and I mean, Vanover as well. Um, but yeah, it's, it's not, a huge epidemic and I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and, and blame anybody for opting out. I think chop, especially after he had the, the injury against Ohio state, like yeah. it's, yeah, yeah. it makes sense to, to, to play it by ear and to, uh, to be cautious about that because those are, um, you know, you can say that the chances of getting hurt in week one are the same as getting hurt in the bowl game. But that's, I mean, that's sort of like some classic whataboutism here because the, the, the draft and the, the pre-draft workouts and everything like that, that don't, that stuff matters. Right. And, and, yeah. I, and, you want to see them at full strength. You want to see them doing all the, the things that they do with their teammates. But then the day, this is college setting you up for a professional job. Like that's what it's about. And yep. if you, if you need to make that decision, you make that decision. And chop felt that he, he had to make that decision. Plus then we get a preview of 2024. We get to do the thing that everyone loves. We just spin it forward and get to the next thing too soon. Uh, so the bowl game, again, check out Fitz's article about guys that can, uh, uh, we'll see more playing time in, in the peach bowl, uh, which I think was up yesterday uh, doing a thousand things here. So I apologize if you guys mentioned this already. Did we talk about Riley Thompson Fitz? Did we actually get to that particular I think conversation? We did it. I think we did it last week. I was just okay. making my, my little special team shtick there. Um, but uh, Chase Meyer, we didn't really talk about much. Yeah. Um, the addition of the kicker from Tulsa. He started at Penn, went back home for personal reasons, ended up at Tulsa last year, made uh, 17 of 20 field goals. Uh, tells me he feels good from 55 in. More power to you, man. Um, he's going to come in and compete in the spring. It'll be an interesting competition there in the spring because you've got Meyer coming in who, you know, like Alex Falcons, has experienced at the D1 level, and it's going to give you an opportunity to know what it feels like to kick in that situation. And some guys can handle it, some guys can't. Going to compete with Sanders Sahadak, who won the job out of camp and then lost it promptly uh, about a weekend. Um, and Ryan Barker, who people are like pretty excited about Ryan Barker, two lefties and a, and a righty there with Meyer coming in. So be very interesting to see how this kicker game plays out. Of course, you've got Gabe Mwosu kicking off. Uh, so Penn State special teams, I think, despite losing Falcons, should be in a pretty good spot uh, heading next year. 
A long snapper still good? Are we still good on long snapper? What's going oh, yeah. on there? Juzanski floating around yeah. there. So okay. uh, he's, uh, he's coming back. He's coming back. Okay. Um, Greg, uh, anything you wanted to clean up of guys you talked to or something that's coming up from Bowl Media Day at BlueWhiteIllustrated.com this week that before we move on to talking about some of the coordinators, some of the things James Franklin had to say, just want to make sure you had a last chance to throw out any interesting nuggets you got from Media Day from the players. Yeah, no, Chase Myers is a good get, I think, for Penn State. As Sean Ryan had that covered like a glove on Sunday. So check that out if you didn't at Blue White Illustrated. Um, no, not really. I mean, uh, Nate and I were laughing about it after we got done with the, all the interviews. But, you know, from the player perspective, there was not really anything that was said that was completely off the wall or that we wouldn't have expected to hear. Guys wanting to play for their teammates, guys wanting to uh, finish the season strong, things like that. So, I mean, the, the one thing that I'll go back to and finally figured it out this morning was that Riley Thompson kept saying he was wrapped for being able to come back for another year. Apparently that's Australian slang for excited, which I did not oh. know, but the internet tells me that I was transcribing that this morning. I'm like, what is he saying? So I, I punched it into the old Google machine and that's probably from the players. T Frank, my biggest thing I learned is that okay. you can use that as not just a Christmas uh, time wrapping a present or something, but you can also use it to say you're excited. So there's your uh, fact of the day. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use that around my in-laws uh, next week, or this week, excuse yeah, me. Yeah, see how that goes. And just yeah. see how that goes, yeah. Um, the, the one player I talked to, uh, Drew Aller, he was out there for the first round of players, and and I spent a little bit extra time with him. By the way, you can see the full interview here on the Blue White Illustrated YouTube channel. Also wrote about it. Um, I just, I hadn't had a chance to talk to Drew all year, really. And it was my first time to ask him a couple questions about stuff, stuff I saw on film. And I asked him... I, it seemed like you could see it all year. And and I think that the, the thing that maybe fans don't pick up on because it's hard to without watching film is there's a difference between a guy that can see what he understand, what he's looking at and a guy that sees his first read panics and then runs. And to me, like all season long, I saw drew understand the picture, but he didn't pull the trigger. So I asked him, you know, is that fair? And then, and then maybe what's the reason? And he, but at first he said, I, I, I don't really want to pinpoint a reason. I don't really know if there's a specific reason. And then he said, the thing that I think is, is the most true is he said, there's a difference between high school open and college open. And I learned that I had to throw guys open. Uh, so I guess this was my, this is my pitch to my opinion is if you're out on Drew Aller after the year, this past year, don't be. He has the tools to be everything that he was expected to be coming into college. Doesn't always go right the first time around. Doesn't always click easily the first time around. But the you know the mitigating mitigating circumstances we talked about all year long, I think those are valid, and I think he can take that next step in an offense. Ask and the reason I asked Andy Kotelnicki, how do you make the comp the complex picture simple for the offense? And the whole blizzard analogy is all to me all about Drew Aller. Get him to play fast and confident. And when you do that, I think he can still be the explosive passer that leads the Penn State offense and opens all of this stuff up. So I just think an interesting perspective of, you know, from a player level, Drew Aller wasn't what everyone built him up to be, including me. You know, maybe that was a false thing to do to begin the season, but that is still there. Um, some of the guys who talked about playing fast, some of the guys who talked about being, um, complimentary to the talent, Jay Wansider and Ty Howell, the co-offensive coordinators, um, they sat up there and, and talked for about 20 minutes uh, about their job, what they've been doing, how they work together. And Jay Wansider specifically had a pretty emphatic um, monologue about why he's at Penn State and his feelings about James Franklin. Fitz, this is an area where 
Penn State fans, there's a certain percentage of the fan base that is out on 10 wins. They're not interested in good. They want elite, and they blame Franklin for that. I guess, it, were you, I don't want to say, were you surprised that it just kind of came up that it's permeated that far into the program that this um, this negativity towards James Franklin prompted a response from J1 Sider? Because normally these things, I feel like, go unanswered a lot. I mean, they hear it like they they hear they I mean, the negativity is always louder, right? Like we're not mm-hmm. sitting here, you know, talking about how great they are like the, they hear it. They're not satisfied with 10, 10 wins. And I think that's what people maybe mistake for um, uh, for the fact that they feel good about being in a New Year's six bowl, that they're happy with 10 wins and happy to be a 10 and two team every year. There's some element where you're happy to win double digit games because double digit wins are hard, but there's mm-hmm. the element that like they know where they're at. Like this is nothing new, but it all rains down on the top guy, which, you know, criticism is is valid there in the fact that he runs the ship. He runs the show. At the same time, it's a bit over the top, you know, and, and you, you see that and it comes down and the coaches see that and the, the, the coaches take that more personally than I think James allows himself to. So he's there, you know saying what he needs to say, being the, the the political guy up top. And then the assistants, when they get a shot and be like, hey, y'all don't know what you're talking about. Like, that's kind of how I, I took that to be. And Jay Wan has yeah. always been that way. Jay Wan has always been like, this is my brother. And if you say that about him, I will shank <laughs> you. you know? So like that, that is kind of where I'm at with uh, with those types of comments, because it's a long season, man. It's a long season. These guys, uh, you know, they, they they do run their own social accounts. So they see the the critic, the critical nature of the messages like anybody can tweet and that's a good thing and a bad thing like everybody's yeah. got a voice even the ones that have the loud voices you know um so i think that that's that that is what i look at with with that and and i think that's been a situation where he finally got in front of a mic and said this is this is how we do things and if you don't like that sorry about your luck yeah uh greg did, did was that I, I found i found that particular thing just interesting because we don't really ever get the pushback because you know right. james is the one that talks most of the time was there anything in there that you wanted to talk about or is there anything that those guys uh, mentioned that you found interesting no i think sean nailed it i think that you know sometimes these guys because of the way uh the the program messaging is with uh, james being the voice of the program is you know like to sean's point i think they do sometimes relish a chance to be like hey it, what you're saying is it's just not it's not the case. And so, you know, Jaylon Sider, even during the season when he talked to the reporters on one of those Thursday calls, I kind of went down the same road a bit with the running backs. And I think it was yeah. like after his third or fourth question about you know the running backs not performing pretty well, he kind of just put an end to it and said, hey, look, they actually are. Uh, if you look at A, B, C, D, E and F, uh, they're doing a lot, a lot more, a lot many more things better than what you're giving them credit for and what you're saying they aren't doing well. They're actually doing better than you think. So to Sean's point, yeah, he's never, never afraid to, uh, to speak his mind. I keep laughing because it's transcripts uh, service that we use. It keeps, I was reading back through that quote just to make sure I understood it right. And it completely blew part of this quote because it says, <laughs> I believe that a beer had come to me and that's the ultimate goal for us. And I thought, yeah, that's a fair point. Um, not what he Everybody said, but a fair a point comes yeah. to them. Yes. yes. So, uh, but no, when you listen, you know, I think the one thing that was interesting to me, and we see it every pregame when Jaywan Sider and Ty Howe run together around the field, home and away games. 
And you truly got the genuine uh, sense of just how well those two guys work together. And I don't yeah. think there's any there's any question that how well – and again, Michigan State was awful. There's no questioning that. But how well the offense performed in the last two games with those two guys at the helm definitely reflects their relationship and their ability to message and work together to come up with the best plan possible. So just watching those two sitting side by side is probably the thing that – it doesn't really impact things on the field, but in a way that it does, because you can see how well they work together and then help this Penn State offense really work together well uh, over the last two weeks and presumably in the bowl game as well. Fitz, is that part of the whole mystery of who's calling the defense? Because if we know who's calling or the offense, excuse me, we know who's calling the offense, then we get to we get to rank them. We get to do the favorite thing we get to do, which is like, oh, J1 Sider is the one calling the defense. So he gets this percentage of credit and then Ty Howell gets in their their so close it seems and i i did not know that they were as close as they are that so that we're not going to talk about that so that they both get the same amount of credit and kind of deny that whole conversation is, is that a fair way of why we have this conversation i think it's two-sided like the credit and the criticism like you mm -hmm. can't really just put place it on one guy you could do that when your was here and we did that when your was here that's for sure mm -hmm. um so in a situation like this where it's really I don't want to call it a no pressure situation, but like, you know, they're, they're going to go back to being position coaches sort of, sort of no matter what. Um, so it gives you a chance to, you know, make yourself better. But at the same time, if you, I don't want to say fall flat, but if you come up short, I don't think too many people are going to hold that against them. Um, mm -hmm. Now Ty obviously has a little bit more, I think time left in his coaching career as a young guy. So maybe, but not. Um, but uh, you think about a couple years ago in the Cotton Bowl with Tyler Bowen, like he got all the credit for that. Like he got yep. all the credit for for doing that. And if they would have not had that performance, I don't think it does anything to his coaching career. So I think it, you can coach this game looser. You can I mean, we can make a buddy cop drama out of those guys like that would be fantastic <laughs> if we could do that. And uh, yeah. but it, it's just uh, it, it'll be it'll be fun to watch. Like I said, the, the pressure's off. So like when you see them calling not the not the year such trick plays, but when you see them calling the game a little bit looser, I think it's because you don't have to not answer for it. it, it you don't have to uh, deal with the the repercussions of, you know, how do you fix this going into next season? Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a really fair point. Last thing that I've got uh, from Bull Media Day, and this will be the last kind of like scheduled thing here on the show. If you got some questions you want to throw in the chat here uh, in the final few minutes, we'll get to those as well. James Franklin, I think, was very upfront and out there. Um, he's, he's talked about this of like, here are the challenges and here are the things that are happening, but, uh, tampering is rampant. I've got to recruit my own roster. Um, the portal is not fair in terms of guys are being negotiated with before they go into the portal, it, just all of the problems he laid them out. And I, and I, I feel like it would, it went kind of just like water over rocks. Like it did not create the, the, uh, reverberation I would have expected of, Hey, like there's cheating in college football. I guess that's the part of like, Oh wow. Surprising. But to just openly lay it out and call it out that way, that to me was like, should have been a bigger deal that we talked about. And it really didn't make any headlines. Greg, is that, am I off base of saying like that wasn't anything or is that, is there something there? No, it was. I just think that the problem is he hit the, he uh, closed that statement with the whole problem. Is it, Coaches can complain about this. Uh, players can complain about this, and they're all right. But until the people at the league level, the commissioners, and you know whether uh, that's the Big Ten, whether that's the ACC, the Pac-12 or Pac-2, whatever it is now, uh, it's kind of out of the coaches' hands to some degree. James Franklin is a board member of the American Football Coaches Association. I'm sure 
I mean, his words carry weight no matter what on this topic, but, you know, obviously that uh, organization will have some say in what is proposed, but ultimately it comes down to the NCAA, which of course is made up of all the conferences. And until they're ready to sit down and try and put an end to this, the whole thing is stupid. There's no question. I mean, to be mixing bowl prep, high school recruiting, transfer portal recruiting, roster recruiting, all uh, coaching carousel, and I'm probably missing something, all in one a window of a month is and it's Christmas nonsense, right? <laughs> and finals for you know, and and the academic component that I know obviously is not the the one everyone's going to focus on. But yeah, no, his point was a hundred percent valid. It's just I don't see if all these coaches sit and talk about it, that brings awareness to it. But ultimately, the people who know uh, and can act on doing these things, uh, they just have to do it at some point. And I think. I think, Sean, we're probably getting closer to that being a reality. I think you just need more push uh, from the coaches that are willing to do this stuff publicly, and that will start things in the right direction. Yeah, I guess. I mean, you, you, I think you nailed it. Probably not, though. Yeah, probably not. You nailed it right on the right in the head when you said this is all really stupid. Like this, that, I mean, that's a Bowerism, but like it, it's so like crazy to think how much is is being thrown in this two to three week window. While you're trying to come, you know, compete for a bowl game title, while you're trying to get your class together, while you're trying to get your own guys back together. And what he's saying is true. Like it, the, like there's that, that's the funniest part was it's not a hot take anymore. It's not a hot right. uh, graph quote yeah. graphic because like everyone's saying it, it I, nobody has any faith in anyone to fix it. That's the issue. Right. Yeah, that, yeah, it just it seems like a, a rough place to be. And obviously that's that's another obvious statement. But um, when he when he mentioned this is no more alliances, it's the, an, forming an alliance between three conferences is not going <laughs> to fix this issue. So we're going to have to go some different direction. Yeah, the League of Extraordinary Pinky Promises that uh, we're now down to the packed up instead of the Pac-10 because they're gone. Uh, and, and the Big Ten stabbed him right in the heart and took out all of the good teams. Um, the him saying this model is unsustainable fits. I guess that's the the thing that maybe I'm driving at is is change imminent or is this just it's unsustainable because coaches are going to drop dead from all of the stress and things they've got to do. Well, I didn't think of that last part, but I can definitely see that uh, being an issue eventually. Uh, yeah, I mean, change is going to come at some point. I think everybody has accepted that. It's just how it comes and how long that these conferences and everything can hold off from being the ones that actually have to supply the money. Like, that's the yeah. thing is like, we're is basically a GoFundMe right now for players. And uh, that's right. not sustainable. Like, and, and, and I, and I get why some people just, you know, kind of refuse to do it because it's, it's, the whole system is kind of crazy in that sense, but also how much are you going to fall behind with that attitude? Like, and that's, Hey man, that's a, that's a line to walk for some people. Um, I, I, I don't, I don't tell people how to spend their money one way or the other, except to blueweightillustrator.com. Check out that special, uh, right now, uh, for the good stuff. But anyway, um, no, I mean, it, it's going to change. Like there's going to be collective bargaining at some point. It's just a matter of bridging that gap until you get there. And it's, is that gap two years? Is that gap five years? I don't know. And that's uh, that's the interesting part. And uh, like I said, it's people that, you know, don't want to have to supply the the check, you know, from the TV con from the billion dollar TV contract. And I mean, what did Chip Kelly say this week? Hey, break it off. Make it football. Do yeah. do the things that make sense. Uh, have UCLA play Arizona in softball, but not play Rutgers in softball. You know, that all that stuff makes kind of too much sense in my in my eyes. Of course, you can break that down and and go whichever way you want to go with it. But it's uh, it's a system that is. Uh, you know, patched up enough to go along, 
like to drive along, but at the, yeah. at the same time, you need, you need to fix, you need to fix a lot more than that. Yeah. The, you change one variable and then six more pop up, it feels like, and, and not having structure is part of the problem. So that's, that's, that's a fair point. Um, last thoughts, the, the chat's been taken over by Sully. He's just, he's a, he's an Ole Miss fan and he's got everybody riled up. So there's no questions in the chat, Greg, any final thoughts or anything <laughs> that you're going to be writing about national signing day, early signing period coming up tomorrow on Wednesday. So check out our coverage there. Uh, anything you're looking at this week? Yeah, no, National Signing Day. It's a weird National Signing Day, a quiet one. Penn State's shown what last commitment was in October, I believe. Prior to that, it was like July. So it yep. feels like we've been talking about this completed class of 2024 for a better part of a year, which in some ways we have. So uh, Penn State, I'm sure, likes the drama, but or the drama, no drama, rather. Uh, but and the other thing, I believe this will be a record setting uh, class for James Franklin in terms of number of decommitments. Pretty sure it's just Derek Plaz, and there's always been at least two uh, since he got here, unless I'm wrong on that. I'll check that out very quickly. If uh... <laughs> yeah, um, I, but yeah, so I mean, I, I just thought I'll, that I'll was tap into <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Suddenly I mean, there was a glitch in the show. Yeah. Um, just yeah. quickly, as, as Fitz is looking that up, and, and Fitz, I'm going to want to get your same question to you to end the show of what's coming up for you this week as well. So just you can prep those things while I'm talking about what's coming up this week. Blue White Illustrated, we will have more coming up. Um, uh, promo, by the way, for the Hoop Show. Nate isn't here, and I wanted to make sure we promote that. We've got some special content coming up this week as well, so make sure you check that out. That is exclusively the full show at bluewhiteillustrated.com. We put up segments here on the YouTube channel, so if you want that stuff, you got to go to the site to get it um also coming up this week um you know any breaking news that we have we're going to be following here along at bluewhiteillustrated.com and on blue white illustrated here on the youtube channel the uh resigning day special coming up tomorrow night at seven that has been uh, one of my favorite times to do the signing day after everything's wrapped up we'll be talking about this class more in depth fits and uh and ryan snyder are going to be back uh, to do that and talk about the class as a whole. And then on Wednesday, I'll be giving my thoughts on what I've seen of these guys on film on uh, the KSN show, which will be on Thursday instead of Wednesday. Don't want to double up uh, and have two shows when Thursday is a, is a great recap day as well. So that's what's coming up here from the live show. Of course, other videos and everything you can check out at Blue White Illustrated here on YouTube. So Fitz, what do you got for us? Whew, I don't know if I can top that. Um, we got a lot of signing day coverage here. Of course, Ryan has done a great job all year round. He, uh, Derek Plaz was the only decommitment in this cycle, which is pretty amazing when you think about the um, in a I don't, know, I don't call it inability, but the sort of the flux that we were in in June when you guys would take visits and then you'd sort of have to wait and, and figure some things out. And to fa the fact that only one of those guys who was a guy from Florida and was not in the class very long was the only one that went back in and out. Um, I don't know what it says about Penn State's class. I don't know what it says about Penn State's NIL. I don't know what it says about all that stuff. But to 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 lack the drama that this you know this class did not have much, if any, drama. And I will say there's there's some guys that we thought Penn State might get in June who are now back in the cycle, like like um, uh, Amaris Williams from he's committed he's from North Carolina, committed to Florida, uh, thought he was going to go to Ohio State, going to probably go to Auburn, like. Those are the guys that they, you know, were close on, but not closed that did not close on. So and that's part of the reason we don't have any drama is because they didn't, uh, you know, they didn't play that game. And that's a very interesting aspect to this class is, is how much that factored in here. So be very interesting to see how this uh, this comes together. Uh, little to no drama. We thought there might be a little bit, but uh, does not seem like that will be the case. Um, we will see what happens with the portal. The portal is always dramatic. Uh, of course, uh, you know, we, we make up our little 
I'm not even going to go into that. Um, but no, we appreciate you guys checking us out and check us out tomorrow on the site, Blue White Illustrated. All right. Um, we've got all of that plus all of the great stuff on the message board where you can have conversations about all of this stuff with people who also are super into Penn State football. It's another great reason to sign up for bluewhiteillustrated.com. I'm Thomas Frank Carr for Sean Fitz and Greg Pickle. We will talk to you tomorrow. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.